And welcome to Big Wave Small Talk. It's a podcast about big waves and how to survive them. Today's guest is a mindset and performance coach helping athletes and business professionals reach their highest potential. Coach Driss was born in Morocco where he learned to surf and has since traveled the world offering his practice based on a solid psychological foundation, combining techniques such as sports psychology, positive psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, plus social and emotional intelligence. He was also hired as the Chinese surf coach for the Olympic team and has a lot of interesting insight on the wave pool in China in addition to the culture there. Aloha. Hi there, how are you? So good, thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to connect with you. Last time I think he was uh, two years ago, 2018, October. And it's funny because uh, I was in the middle of the big wave tour planning for Nazare, waiting in Portugal for a big swell. And I was on your podcast and uh, Mindset and Performance. And I remember being, I was dealing with a lot of traveling. I was traveling maybe nine or 10 months out of the year for uh -huh. big swells or for the tour. And so I would had the opposite problem that I have now of being like never knowing where I was going to be always on the road mm. couldn't tell my family when I'd be home and now I find myself on Oahu and I can't leave the island <laughs> and it's kind of a an interesting change mm. one not the worst place to be stuck in right now right I'm I'm super grateful to be here I yeah. think um one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on to the show is because right now, I would guess about 70 to 80%, maybe more mm -hmm. of surfers globally are landlocked or at least locked in their house. Even if they can see the beach, they can't go to the beach. Yeah, heavy days. I really want to offer them some techniques, some ways that people and surfers in quarantine can mm -hmm. deal with not surfing and what they can do from home to clear their mind. And the best thing that one can be doing right now when not being able to surf is to uh, prepare for when they can come back to the surf. And it's basically training the mind and training the body. I think uh, the internet is already full of a lot of input out there from different type of coaches on how you can prepare physically, all the fitness drills and things like that. But for the mental training, I don't know if there's enough information out there about it. One of the things that I like doing and I like suggesting to my clients also to do is uh, visualization. Visualization is, is a great thing to do. The brain doesn't know the difference between actually doing something and actually visualizing it. Visualization can sound quite um, far-fetched, but you're basically just daydreaming, closing your eyes and practicing while your eyes are closed. And it's backed up by science. What happens actually in the brain when you do that you have neurons, you know, you have neural pathways that are carved, that are solidified and they are strengthened to do something. So if, if that makes sense, it's, it's called neuroplasticity. And um, you asked me earlier a question about how actually I deal with uh, my confinement. So I do a couple of uh, morning preparation drills 
and those are like warm-ups for my day. And the same preparations, uh, those same kind of preparations are the ones I suggest to people to do for before heat, before competition, before going for a big um, surf, for example. And those same drills, they can start practicing them to prepare for uh, when they will be surfing again in the future. But it's, this is the time where they can reinforce those learnings. How do we focus on what we can do instead of what we can't? Especially for the adrenaline junkie that likes big waves and yeah. that rush of, um, you know, it really could be any sport, especially stream sports when we like the thrill. How do we focus on what we can do instead of what we can't? Well, uh, this, is, this is a little bit of mindfulness, I guess. This is um, uh, Eastern philosophy there. It's like being in the present moment rather than projecting on what we can do. I'm here sitting in Germany. I wish I'd be... Uh, by the ocean, uh, I, as you know, I, like I've been spending the last past five years in Bali, Indonesia. So this is a big of an adjustment for me here. But rather than thinking of when would I go back, I'm rather enjoying what's happening right now. This is something that mindfulness taught me: meditation. Meditation teaches you it's how to focus on the present, stay in the present, and be grateful somehow. So gratitude is one thing, but also creating routines that makes you look forward for when things will be open again, when borders will be open, when the surf will be open again, and uh, going back to that. And you want to be as prepared as possible so you can enjoy as much as possible. And preparation starts with the mind, of course, like gratitude again, being grateful for what we have, and physically doing the drills you need to be doing. I mean, eating well, sleeping well, Having fun also, not to forget about that, having fun with social connections with people or getting busy with something that you like doing. I don't know, for athletes, maybe they can work on their social media and work on their social presence and maybe volunteer in some ways. So all that, all that, that can keep us busy, not just keep us busy, keep us, um, it can feed us. We learn from the windows of the, the, these things until the borders are open. But still enjoying every single thing of, of, uh, of those things that we can be practicing. Wonderful. Well, in addition to your consulting, you're mm. also the head coach for the China, for China's Olympic surf team. And, yes. you know, looking over the photos of the, the training that you did there and a lot of out of water training, which I think is great yeah. because most surfers will say the best training for surfing is surfing. But if you can't surf, can you explain a little bit about what you're doing with the team in China and how people can implement those practices? So, so I worked with this, these kids in um, four months, um, from July 2019 till October, and it was just amazing experience I worked with them. So surfing is 70% outside of the water. Only 30% surf training is in the water. The other 70%... Um, video analysis, fitness, um, theory classes. Um, so we did all of that. We did all of that. They reached out to me. Uh, we connected well. It was a little bit challenging with the language because none of us really spoke Chinese or English. Some of them could speak a few words, but we, we were using Google Translate all the time. And they had they, their camp in Bali for those months. And so I helped them um, not only... Um, reinvent their routine of training, like the whole day and weeks, 
but also uh, break it down a little bit into how you can uh, each day what you're going to be training on. And usually all the mornings were, were, uh, were surfing and most of the afternoons were theory classes. They were also um, mindfulness practices. I get them to do breath work. They were very skeptical in the beginning, but when they did it, they were like just amazing. I can never forget how their eyes just opened big, large like that when after doing the three rounds of that breath work um, from Wim Hof, by the way, the Iceman from the Netherlands. I, did, I introduced them to meditation. I introduced them to different types of fitness training. Even if I'm not the expert on fitness or nutrition, but that uh, I had to look it up. I had to search. I had to learn also myself and pass on the message to them. Um, we had screens, uh, project, video projection with screen split in two sides. One was English. The other one was translated to uh, uh, Chinese, and we had to break down maneuvers, we had to break down turns, we had to break down turns from, from different videos. So it was a really amazing experience. And they were very receptive. What made it actually amazing was um, the level of commitment these kids had. They were so committed to, to learn and so um, engaged in, the, in that whole experience. And they took in everything. Like everything, we'll be telling them they will be doing their best to, to make it happen, to, to practice uh, every day. Um, we bounded quite, quite well, and it was good. So that, the thing about the wave pool, uh, so I didn't know about the wave pool before that. I didn't know there was a wave pool, a big one like that over there. And it was in August when they told me they need to go for a comp. And I wanted to know where they would be competing, of course, to check uh, the type of waves and so on. So... I told them, like, show me on the map where it is. They pointed somewhere in the middle of the land. And I was, that can be it. Maybe Google Translate didn't translate it well. I told them again, can you, uh, okay, where is the wave? And then they pointed against the same thing. And I thought, okay, there might be a wave pool there. So they zoomed in, um, showed me pictures, and there was basically the range. The Kelly Slater surf range pool was there. The same one replicated. And I was blown away because I didn't know they had it. Um, the tuning of it maybe was different, so it wasn't as perfect rolling as uh, the normal one, but um, I was impressed. I think two days later, because I said that to my friends, they sent me a link from Surfline showing that exact same wave pool, and there was an article saying that they are building five of them, so five times $26 million. So they are investing a lot in that, and I think, and they are learning very fast. So guys there, watch out. A lot of us are going through a roller coaster of emotions right now, yeah. um, whether it be grief of what we've lost or someone that we've lost or um, just a million different things. How can we remove the judgment on ourselves for feeling maybe down or upset? So how we can manage our emotions, is that the question? Mm -hmm. First thing first is to be able to uh, get aware of how we feel. So knowing what it is that we feel. So pointing at it, it will be a great thing. Because the first thing is actually to know specifically what it is. Is it stress, is it anxiety, is it sadness, grief, what it is. So once we identify what it is, we uh, might try to actually work changing it by changing the dialogue that we have about it and that's help us change the perspective on it so for example thoughts are uh, affected by the way we think so once we change the way we think about something our emotions change then our actions and behavior and therefore our outcomes change as well 
So if you are not feeling well, see what are you thinking about it. But first identify what is it that you're feeling. What, what thought is going there? And why are you feeling that way? And then try to change the dialogue. So change in belief, change in paradigm. So for example, people might be sad because they were thinking, this is going to be forever. It's never going to be open again. Uh, the world will change and go to a whole dramatic, chaotic scenarios. So changing the dialogue might make you feel better about how you feel and therefore get more active, get on with your life and do something so you can change your outcome, you're feeling better and then you change your outcomes. Another way to change how we feel is moving. Our uh, external behavior impacts directly our internal computation, our thought processing and our internal state, our emotions. So... You, you know, like if we are, we don't feel good, we're often like that down a little bit, shoulders down. So if you change a little bit your posture, you start already feeling good. You start releasing the right hormones and so on. So this is just to, to um, simplify. But normally, if you go for a run, you go for a walk in the forest, or um, you just exercise, you start feeling great. So you're feeling down, you can impact your, your, the way you feel by the way you, you think and by the way you move. So movement is very important. So exercising, standing straight, smiling. I have a little reminder here. Smile. <laughs> Even just stretching my face, it makes me feel good. So if I'm, I can, I get caught on my computer and doing what I have to do. Sometimes I forget about it, and then I smile, take a break, smile, and and move on. I agree that working out and exercise, for me, anyways, it is the best yeah. way for me to feel better about anything. Yeah. But getting from your phone on the couch to exercising, getting out of yeah. that dark hole, how do we remove ourselves from, you know, the depths of a dark space? Say we're watching the news and it just seems like it just gets worse and worse. Don't watch the news. Don't watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes practice, takes time. It's not just like a snap in the finger. It's the same way you don't expect to go to the gym and get a six pack after one time going to the gym. Right. You, 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 would, you need to practice something. And that's where we go back again to mindfulness, mindfulness practice. So with, I, I'm going to talk from a subjective point, and, but also from a point of things that I have t taught my clients to do. With uh, a certain type of meditation technique, you start catching those thoughts and those feelings before they grow in you and get you stuck in that couch, before it becomes too heavy for you to get up from that couch. couch. So it's, it's a practice where you uh, turn on the volume for that awareness and you distance yourself from those thoughts. So you're sitting down. That's the meditation practice. This is the thing I do every morning, every morning 10 minutes, not more than that, 10, 15 minutes maximum. And the moment you catch yourself thinking about something, yeah, uh, uh, okay, I'm experiencing a thought. I'm experiencing a feeling. This is before it gets into it and it starts dwelling and taking you to the spiral down completely to be completely frozen. So by doing that over and over, you develop a sensitivity to thinking and feeling and catch yourself before you get caught in it. So if you don't like meditation, meditation has a branding problem. It's not about sitting down, humming and lighting candles. There's no problem with doing that, but it's not only that. So for my clients, I call it focus training or mindfulness or something like that so they can absorb it a little bit and uh, be more open to it. So um, to answer your question, um, what you don't do determines what you can do. So if you are 
always exposed to those um, negative either people or uh, TV or news, it might slow you down. It's like, again, with the analogy of sports, you want to be an athlete running fit and healthy and super uh, performant. You don't sit down and sit on the couch and do nothing and eat sugars and fat and all that. You, you, you practice something. You let go of the things that can hold you back and slow you down. So it's a little bit also how it works with the mind and the emotions. You, you are aware of what's going on on, it, on social media or TV, but you distance yourself from those. You take a distance from them. And uh, by doing a few mindfulness practices every day, it helps you um, not let those catch you and get you stuck on the couch, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's wonderful. So the breath work you are doing with uh, meditation, can you explain a little bit about the, okay. the practice of what exactly okay. you train? Sure, sure. I, I'm, I, I love that. I'm, I'm so much into it this day, so I can definitely talk about it a lot. So um, what, I, what I do, what I actually learned, I learned that breath work technique from Wim Hof. I guess you know who that is. The, the um, Iceman, they call it. So the first time I got exposed to that practice, it was, um, I think someone sent me a link on YouTube and I was like, yeah, this is another breath work thing. And let's just, just practice something and see how it is. After one round of that breath work, I was blown how I could hold my breath for two minutes without being prepared for it. And I was like, okay, what is this? Let's check it out. So I looked it up. I found all the information about it. And then I signed up to a course in, um, in Bali. They were like a workshop, seven hours that day. They taught us how to breathe, the science behind it, and also how to get the cold exposure. And this is the, the things that Laird Hamilton and his guys are doing also. So it's broadly now used. So that breath, breathing technique, what, what, it, what you do on it is you inhale, exhale for 40, 30 to 40 times. Then you hold your breath, you inhale, exhale, by the way, very strongly, so like maximum. So then you hold your breath for two minutes with empty lungs. And during those two minutes, just close your eyes or open them. Some of, them, some of us can also do some push-ups or squats while doing, we're holding breath for two minutes with practice. And then at the end of these two minutes, you inhale uh, to the max and hold for 15 seconds. So 30 to 40 inhales, exhales, two minutes hold, and then inhale, 15 seconds and then that's one round and you repeat that three times so when you what happens when you do that you uh, make your body more alkaline and therefore more your neurotransmitters uh, becomes uh, more fluid so they bring in uh, information from one place to another place easier and then become more clear and also at the same time because you held your breath for two minutes there's a release of adrenaline which resets your body so you are sharp and awake and fresh and, and clear in your mind. So once, once you do that for, um, for some time, you make yourself more alkaline, more focused, etc., etc., which helps when you meditate and you focus on the positive things. Because as I said, when the neurotransmitters are fluid, if you think about something positive, then quickly feel that and quickly be that, be, be in that way, in that sense. So I, I start my morning with uh, 15 minutes of that breath work. I do 10 minutes meditation. Then I follow it with some stretching and warm-ups and then exercises. And I'm ready for my day. And that's my like, little routine for my pre-game routine. And my game is my day. Uh, being with my clients, calling with them, doing my emails. And that pre-game routine can be replicated for athletes 
before going for a big surf, before going for a competition. It's, uh, and it can be customized the way they want. Like some, as you see them in competition, they are behind, they're stretching, they're putting their music and preparing their body to be in the right mindset before going to the heat. Um, so I guess I respond to the, the question with the breath work. Have you tried something like that before with the breathing? Yes, I practice apnea. I've also oh. done uh, Wim Hof many different times with friends. Um, mm. And I'd recommend if you're doing apnea, you can, you know, do it if you can with a friend, um, especially not in the water alone. <laughs> yes, dangerous. Right. The CO2 tables I find to mm. be challenging, but more realistic to what we're actually dealing with in big waves where you might be paddling, find yourself in a bad spot, get mm. pounded and then have to um, hold your breath with maybe not even um, a full breath of air. Or if you wipe out, if you wipe out and then you have a two-way pull down, that might be a situation where you've actually expelled all of your air from getting your, the wind knocked out of you. And then you have to figure out how to remain calm with all that CO2 buildup. Mm. And that's really uncomfortable. It makes, uh, at least it makes me dizzy. And, um, you know, I've had times in, in the water when we're training like in an Olympic pool where there's either the euphoria or I just feel absolutely um, depleted and like I can't do anything the rest of the day. The key word I heard when you were talking about breath work was adrenaline. You can get adrenaline from a breath exercise. It's a miracle. Mm. And I think mm. it's, it's a great way for surfers right now to train. In addition Definitely. to the cold plunges, I, I can't go to a trainer right now. I can't go to you know, even a chiropractor, get a massage, like all the things that an athlete is mm. maybe accustomed to. So I feel like we have to be more self-reliant right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do cold showers here every morning after, after the, the whole routine and in the evening sometimes to for sleep. Uh, one final question. Sure. Um, thinking about positive psychology. Yeah. And, you know, I asked you, earlier, how can we focus on what we can do instead of what we can't? Could you give us some techniques and tips on positive reinforcement and positive self-talk? Best thing to do, I guess, in, in, in this situation of lockdown is um, to combine a couple of tools that can be useful, like this breath work, this meditation, but also journaling, journaling a little bit, having a journal, writing down a couple of things there that you think about. So that's a little bit of a releasing of the negativity. When you write down, you put them out instead of here being there. Um, having words of affirmation, um, having mantras and quotes, things that motivate you, it keeps you focused on what you want to do. Um, I have some clients, and one of them is right now, Joss. She's online. Hi, Joss. Uh, she is great because she has vision boards all over her, her walls and that keeps her focused and positive. And she just knows, she knows the way she is going. She knows that she's going to be for the competitions and all that and be the greatest among them over there. So she knows that what's she, where she's going, but she knows that she has to deal with what's happening right now and what keeps her positive, her wall where she even framed all the, um, uh, 
the visions where she want to be, the goals, the, her values, her most empowering uh, beliefs. She she put everything there. So visual cues are very important. That's why I also have my little note thing here to keep positive and keep uh, being grateful for what I have. When friends are reaching out, I try to have sincere, real dialogue with them. How is it going? Then you, you have a dialogue that's real. Well, I'm here in Germany. Things are okay. I'm pretty happy being here. It's green around me, but I do miss the ocean sometimes. I miss also being touching the, the, the sand with my feet. But watch your dialogue, watch the story you're telling, not only to yourself, but also that you, ex you put outside out there. Um, uh, just, just keep yourself busy with nice routines that can um, not just keep you busy and distracted, but can help you for the comeback for uh, when you go back in, on, on your surfboard and in, in the water. And things will change, things will become better at some point. For sure, being grateful for all of the little things mm. has been pretty eye-opening. Um, like mm. you said, the sand between your toes is just something that uh, surfers long for but don't really realize how mm. important it is. And yeah, I just encourage everyone listening to to keep your head up and know that um, we're all in this together as many times as you've probably heard that it's true. Mm. And uh, we all have our individual struggles. Check out Coach Driss on Instagram or his website. He also has a podcast, which is amazing. And you interview surfers, snowboarders, all sorts of idols of mine um, about their mindset and how they can deal with the current situation with COVID-19. Thank you for all the service you do for people around the world. Something like this, where we find ourselves all with maybe the greatest challenge possibly ever of our generation. So yeah. uh, I can't help but laugh because it's uh, nervous laughter. <laughs> it's gonna be all right.